0: It's time for another episode of Old Fashioned Work and Whiskey, an old-fashioned podcast brought to you by a couple of old-fashioned guys enjoying some old fashions talking about old-fashioned work ethics. I'm Jason Courtney, your host, as always, in studio with me, my co-host and chief engineer, Mr. Olin Hyde. How are you doing today? I just had the most random thought listening to you on our intro. Okay. What's the
1: difference between being old-fashioned and hipster?
0: Old fashioned means that you're just old fashioned. Like you, you appreciate the finer qualities in life. Hipster means you're trying to be cool. So you do it because old fashioned people cool. don't care. Hipsters do. Yeah. Okay. Like I wear a sweater vest and a hat. Like yesterday I had my hat on your people hat. Yeah. We'll see you guys call me people. Now, if I was trying to be cool, I'd be hipster. I'd be hipster. Jason, if you wore that hat because of who you are, you'd be hipster. But because I'm just old fashioned, I'm just Paul Jason. So I know that you guys call me hipster occasionally mm-hmm. all the time.
1: But a lot of the things I enjoy, I liked before the hipster movement became a thing.
0: Yeah. But I think you just press it now because it's cool too. like you have enjoyed them for longer. But now I feel like you enjoy them even more because it's mainstream. Because it's mainstream, which you hate. I hate in, mainstream. Yeah. yeah. I didn't watch Avatar for like 5 years because And now you wish you had gone to the theater oh and watched gosh, it. Oh my gosh, it was so great. Yeah, I See? wish I would have seen it in theaters. These sometimes Sometimes okay. mainstream's okay. I try I'm trying to fix that All right. thought. Well, enough so. of
1: that random thought for our listeners out All there All right. Today. So
0: today we are drinking bottled in bond Colonel E.H. Taylor Straight Rye, first and only straight Kentucky rye whiskey. Man, this stuff is hard to find. That's why we started off the video with the, where's the gold at comment. And that comes from Olin and I, we've loved the show gold rush on discovery for years and years. And, um, that's just one of our favorite sayings that, and this stuff is like gold. If you can find it, it's, it's, I probably, if I wouldn't have opened this bottle, I probably could have sold it for $250.
1: So I don't know that you know this and I pulled it up so that I would not misspeak, but do you know what
0: it means to be bottled in bond? Charles told me our CPA, but I can't remember for the life of me, but that could be because I've been drinking. So to be labeled bottled and bond, a
1: whiskey must be the product of a single distiller in a single season, spring, January to June or fall, July to December, aged for a minimum of four years in a federally bonded warehouse and bottled at 50% ABV.
0: Which is exactly what it is. 50% ABV, 100 proof. For this 750 milliliter bottle.
1: So some of the other ones we've had were blends. Mm -hmm. So a blend can never be considered a bottled and bond because it's not by a single distiller in a single season.
0: So it says the end of the 19th century saw the passage of the bottle and bond act of 1897. Colonel Edmund Haynes Taylor Jr. Was instrumental in passing this law, which safeguarded legitimate whiskey labels from bogus producers who, in his words, polluted and diluted their whiskey. Bottle and Bond mandates that such whiskeys must, from the same distillery made in the same season, age no less than four years and bottled at 100 proof. The spicy and full-bodied 100 proof straight rye whiskey pairs, pays tribute to the classic American whiskey style and the Bottle and Bond Act of 1897. So a lot of people may not know why that's so significant because whiskey that's in
1: the barrel is at a very high volume of alcohol so it's a higher proof when it's in the barrel and part of that is because as it ages in the barrel it it gains some of that uh proof the angel share goes out whatever but so when they put it into the bottles they actually add water so it may come out of the barrel at 140 proof and they water it down to you know whatever they're wanting to serve at in this case 100 proof so they water it down to that 100 proof to make sure that it meets with the flavor profile they want so back in the day, you had moonshiners that were blending things together and then watering it down to, you know, 60 or 70 proof to make their alcohol in that barrel go further. Yeah. So instead of getting 20 bottles, they might get 30 or 40 bottles out of a barrel.
0: That's unacceptable.
1: So that's where this came from. Well, good. So this is like goal, because if E.H. Taylor helped pass Bottled and Bond and we're having a Bottled and Bond rye, then... That hmm. is uh
0: where's the gold at? Yeah, yeah. I wonder how he's doing. Is he still alive?
1: Colonel E. H. Taylor?
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh old man from Gold Rush. I think so, Jack. Jack, yeah. What was their last Hoffman name? Hoffman? Yeah. Jack Hoffman. Man, this is really good. Smooth. It doesn't have near as much bite as like one a one ten proof bourbon might. No, it's like even for a hundred. It it's, tastes like a 70. Yeah, it's very smooth. So this is one that could sneak up on you. Oh, it will. I bet. I'm hoping. In <laughs> about it <does>. 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here in <laughs> about 20 minutes, it might be sneaking up on me. All right. Well, what are we talking about today, sir? Well, today we are talking about goal planning and goal setting. And we just Got back from our annual planning session where we set our goals for the company for the year, right? So yeah. our goals are 125% employee turnover. Now, for those of you that aren't in the service industry, you're probably thinking, oh, my God, that's horrible. It's really good for the industry. Um, yep. You know, so if we can hit that, we'll, we'll have found success. Uh, we're trying to reduce our probationary period turnover to Which 30% first 90 days of employment to 30%. We want to have our core processes followed by all. Because we have them, we just don't have them followed. <laughs> and then we want to have a monthly sales growth of twenty five hundred dollars of recurring revenue. So those are our four goals that we are setting out to hit this year. Yep,
1: office pride, Penscola. That's what our objective is. So we we went out of the office as the leadership team and sat down and went through that process. So let's talk. Let's let's help our listeners. Because goal setting is goal setting is goal setting. Whether you're doing it for the business or for your personal life, it's the same process. So how, what do we go through when we do that as a business? Because this isn't our first year. We've done this no, that's, several.
0: Well, we look, you know, so we have what we call a BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. That's something that we said at the beginning of our company, we wanted to reach 10 million. So for our sales goal, we know where we need to be at each year. And so we can set that sales goal based on on that number for some of the other numbers we look at what's keeping us up at night what's our headaches what's the Mm -hmm. issues right and then we plan backwards so so the but even there so
1: like like just so the listeners know all these support the b hag so our b hag is to be at 10 million by 2026 in billing which would is huge not only in our market but in office pride to be at that size like no one's ever been there but when we look at that, like one of the big headaches in achieving that is employee turnover. Yeah. Because it's a huge cost for us. It costs us employees. It costs us customers. So it helps achieve growth because now we're, we're keeping employees. We're keeping customers more happy. And so we're not losing customers that we have to
0: replace. Yeah. And so we start at the end, then go to the beginning and work our way. Right. So like the goal for us, let's say it's reduce probationary period to, t- to 30% turnover. So that's the end goal, right? So where are we at now? So that's where we start. Okay, we're at 37.1%. So we want to lower it by 7.1%. Now, what does that look like each quarter? And how do we get there so that by the in the first quarter, we're on track on the, in the second quarter, by third quarter, fourth quarter, we hit our goal, right? So imagine that you've, and, and Todd helped come up with this, and I'm sure he's, Learn this from Strategic Coach and some other places. But imagine you're looking at a piece of paper and you've got a square, then four circles, and then a square. So in the first square, you're going to write what the problem is. or in where you're at. So and where like you're for at. The 90-day turnover. It's 37.1%. In the last square, we're writing where we want to be, 30%. Turnover probationary period turnover. And then we write out for each quarter what our plan is or what our attack method is to be on track so that we can lower it by about 2.5% each of the
1: quarters. To walk you guys through what that looks like. So we would have 37% as our starting point. By the end of quarter one, we might want to measure at 35%. And then in addition, underneath that, so that's the metric. Are we... But how are we accomplishing it? But what are the steps? So underneath that number you
0: put in, okay, what are the things? Mentoring or coaching, create a, you know, follow-up program with new hires. Look at um, orientation, you know, that's, that could be quarter one. And then quarter two, maybe we want to drop to 33%. Right.
1: And then what are the next steps we're doing there to help? Like maybe it's, We're we're changing our follow up after two weeks of employment or maybe it's we're having managers go out and visit after, you know, their fifth night of training. We don't know what that is.
0: Yeah. Because we drilled down into just our first quarter as we set our goals. We set the annual goal and then we set the first quarter goal. So quarter two, we're going to have a whole nother set of plannings. Right. We're going to go off site for for a day and we're going to plan out how do we what do we do this quarter to help us hit our annual goal? Yeah. And
1: and that applies equally with any goal that you set. Like you said, you work it backwards. So sales is one of those. That's a really easy number to absolutely work backwards. So you go out and you go, all right, well, we're at a hundred thousand. We want to be at 200,000. That's a hundred thousand dollars in growth divided by 12. Like that's what we got to do each month. And then if you really, really know your, your numbers, you'll know what your close ratio is. And Mm -hmm. then you can say, okay, to, to sell that much business, I've got to go out and close this many deals. Cause I know my average deal size and then based on my close percentage, this is how many I got to propose and to propose that many, like here's how many I've got to get in the funnel. So you get it all the way down to the fact that you could know, like I need two leads per day to sell a hundred thousand in, dollars in business in the year.
0: And part of what you have to equate is once again, coming comes from knowing your numbers, knowing your business, how much business are we going to lose? We're not perfect shock yeah. surprise. I know everybody that's been listening to us, You know, we, you guys think we are just God's gift to business. We're not, we fail forward all the time. At least our five listeners do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we're not, we, we fail forward. um, But we do reserve the right to get better. And that's one of the things. So we lose business. We know on average, we lose about 5% um, a year. So we, we take that into account. So if some of it's because we didn't do a good job. Some of it's because they went to a different
1: provider for, financial reasons in-house they
0: may have closed their business that happened a lot during covid but you know so five percent of a hundred thousand dollars now you have to make up for that on your growth right so it's not just okay we're at 100 i want to be at 200 we're gonna just grow 100 no you've got to grow 105 105 110. 110 yeah and that'll make up the difference you know so it's really about knowing that information. You get that from meeting regularly, talking about the data. Um, I'm really big on this kick right now with data and analytics, right? Like you're but probably tired of hearing about it I'm after not. three days. Like,
1: I'm not because as much as we've joked about big data and how Google and Apple and everybody else knows so much about our personal lives through all the things that they track us on, that's how they're able to make trillions of trillions, dollars but like they sell like you get an ad on your facebook and you're like i'm actually interested in that and it yeah. comes from all that big data so but that accessibility for us is is a challenge right and that's why like i understand your your statement recently of we're a technology company who happens, happens to, to provide clean cleaning services um, and prior to that mindset like a lot of cleaning companies that did really well was we're a staffing company who happens to clean. Like yeah. we, we are a people organization and Oh, by the way, we clean, um, which is kind of Chick-fil-A's mentality, right? We're in yeah. the people business. We just happen to sell chicken, chicken sandwiches. Yep. So I, I totally get it because I think one, people don't understand the cleaning industry as whole is, is extremely fragmented. Mm-hmm. There's not a key player. It's not like, 50% is in franchising like it's super fragmented because it's an easy business to get into. Absolutely. You go buy a mop bucket in a vacuum from your local store and you can open up a cleaning business. So we have a lot of what the industry refers to as mom and pops. And so big data has not really entered into the cleaning industry yet. And part of that is, it's just an antiquated industry because the mop
0: and bucket has not been revolutionized. Well, it has, <laughs> it's just not affordably revolutionized. Right. So like you have the IMOP, the SC three fifty one. right? We went from a $60 setup to a $3,700 $3, set yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's a big difference, but it's been updated. It's just a big investment. And a lot of people aren't willing to make that investment, especially when, I mean, you talk about having a hundred accounts. That's, from, we've gone from $3,700 to $370,000 to replace all your mop buckets. That's a ginormous investment. And
1: customers aren't in their mind. Like if we go to them, or like, Hey, we can do a way better job in your business. If you let us buy this piece of equipment, but it's going to mean that your monthly bill is going to cost more because our costs go up and customers go, well, I don't understand. I mean, won't the $60 mop bucket do the same job? And you're like, Yes and no. Like it will clean the floor, quote unquote. It'll smear. It'll yeah. smear everything out evenly. But, you know, in their mind, they're going, well, that's good enough. Yep. Like $6 mop bucket's good enough for me. Like I don't need the $3,000 fancy piece of equipment that makes sure that we're actually getting the dirt off the floor and not moving it around.
0: But we're seeing that start to change little yes. by little.
1: And it's in some of the silliest ways, right? Even us in the industry and arguably you and I are our well knowledgeable and ahead of the curve of a lot of what's coming down the line and what's available in our industry we at least try to be (laughs) which we go to the conferences we learn like we talk to the people we're in the know uh you know for the most part but there are technology integrated paper towel and soap dispensers for bathrooms that can say they can text message you and say hey i'm running low or my battery's on or almost based out. on the last six months of usage you the need data, to order this month. you need to order now yep. like in two hours i'm going to be out of soap or mm-hmm. uh and it's, it's you go to propose that to the customer and they're like why do i need that like i i don't you know when it's empty we put one in yeah Uh, Now, some places see the value of that when you start talking about bigger, different places like stadiums. But at the end of the day, the profit margin is what drives that decision. Absolutely. They could 100 percent benefit from this because now people aren't going to the game and washing their hands and then going, we're out of toilet paper. Where's
0: freaking paper towels? Where's. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because they would know, like, we're going to have to change it halfway through a game. Yeah. But then when you present it to them, they go, well, that's going to cost me two thousand dollars to put in new dispensers just so i can know that it's out no i i, I can use that two thousand dollars elsewhere
0: but that's where we as salespeople, have to show them like hey by having a more consistent experience people will come visit you more often right yeah. now you're at a 73 percent, you know attendance ratio we believe that by increasing the cleanliness and the the response rate of your janitors to the the consumables business that it'll increase to 78%. Will that 5% increase in attendance pay for that $2000 investment? Oh, yeah, we'd make an extra, you know, $200,000. Yeah. Okay, so I'm telling you that if you'll invest this $2000, you could see a, you know, 100x yeah. return on investment. But it's it's sometimes it's those small potatoes like me in printing. Right. I hate printing. But if you could tell me, like if Caleb told me, hey, if I print this out every day, I'll be able to save us 10 percent in labor. Have at it, bud. Make it happen. Do you want me to print it for you? It can be ready for you. Hot and ready when you get on (laughs) getting you get into the office. I'll, you know, I'll hand deliver it myself. But we have to figure out what that return on investment is and show them in order for them. Yeah. So we got a little off topic because we're talking about planning. We
1: are, but but it tied together with the numbers of it. Like you have to know the data and the numbers really to work that math backwards to
0: correctly and effectively set your goals. And those are our company goals that we just read out. So you manage several teams. What do your teams do? They, they don't plan anything.
1: Absolutely not. So after our leadership team goes and sets these goals for the company, we then go to department by department and then say, OK, how does our department support getting our probationary turnover down to 30%? And then that department sets goals specific to their ability to affect it. And so one of those changes in one of the rocks, if you will, is what we call them. So again, if you listen to the episode on the entrepreneurial system, we, we operate on that EOS. So one of our quarterly rocks for one of those teams was to roll out what we're calling our coaching process. And so now our trainers are going to work with exclusively with the same new team member through their training process. And then they're going to follow up with them every week for their first six months. Like that's part of what we've built in to try to help reduce that turnover down to 30% in the probationary period.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, that is important when you feel like you have different groups, you know, working towards this goal, but one of the things that we've struggled with, so as we talk about being a technology company in a cleaning space, getting everybody to buy into the technology isn't always easy. So you and I got together yesterday, we had a same page meeting, and I got a to-do out of it, and I'm I'm already working on it, but our my to-do is to to get our goals on a piece of paper that looks good and people can see it all the time, because they're not looking at it on their phones or their tablets or their computers. Because we have the technology that they could access and look at our goals anytime. anytime any place as long as you got internet connection but they just won't do it
1: right so yeah. so we're we're gonna plaster it up like wallpaper so that
0: at least by to osmosis they're gonna that's right. pick it up that's right so we have to do a good job of meeting our team where they're at sometimes it's it takes a little while to get the buy-in sometimes it takes that commitment on our part to follow up you know matt when he was implementing out with his employees he was he was struggling with getting them to. So he's like, I'm going to start assigning them something. So they have to log in every week and check it out. Yeah. Right. Like it was, it was going to be a mandatory thing and it to worked. push them and now they check it and they use it regularly. And so we're just working towards that, but the goal setting is important, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't communicate those goals to your team and have them work with you to achieve those goals or look at
1: them often, right? Because we could go like we did as the, the leadership team and set these goals, come back to the office and just get distracted by the daily grind of, of getting things done. And not that those are things aren't important or don't need to be done. But then at the end of the year we go, Oh, what was our, what were our goals? Do we achieve those? And then it's, it's just a, you know, uh craps shot, right? And we like gambling in the game of craps, which, you know, crap shot is you're just rolling the dice and taking a chance on what's going to come up. And if, if you're not setting your goals smartly like that and you're not looking at them often throughout the year, then that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because it, at December 31st, when we picked the sheet back up, we didn't take any active steps to make sure that we were achieving those goals. It was just a roll of the dice on did we achieve it or not.
0: Right. And so that's one of the things that we are we are trying to get better at. Right. We talked about failing forward just a second ago, like. Before Olin started, we didn't even really set goals. We were just going to get there, God willing. That's right. You know, now we now we have the entrepreneurial operating system. We set goals. We did that really well the first year. Didn't communicate them very well at all. The second year, we communicate them a little better. This is our third year now, and we're working on driving these goals down. It's a big passion for us as the leadership team. Yeah. And, you know, if you're listening and you're like,
1: "Well, I'm not really in a leadership role in my company." Like, think about your career personally, because so many people in their lives retire and they look back at their career and they go. Wow, that's not where I thought I would be.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't think I'd be where I'm at today. Right.
1: But you're also a little bit, you know, you're above average. Like you have goals in in your personal life, even if you don't necessarily write them down and plan them out. A lot of people just go through life and never once think. What do I want? Yeah. Like, what does retirement look like for me? What does empty nesting look like for me? Do I want to save for my kids college? Like they never stop and think through any of those and they never set any goals. And then they get to the end of their life and you never hear that someone on their deathbed looks back at their life and goes, wow, I wish I'd done less. (laughs) I'm going to try and be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, there's always some regret, whether it was, I wish I'd spent more time with my family or, you know, I wish I'd been bold and made that crazy decision when I was in my twenties, instead of staying put in that
0: dead end job. Like we've got a guy that's starting with us. And well, when this airs, he'll probably have already started. He starts uh Valentine's day, February 14th. And, Man, he's worked somewhere for the last ten to twelve years, and he's promoted as far as he can promote without possibly running for public office or being a real brown noser. And that's not his goal. And uh, he he was I was talking to him. I approached him about possibly recruiting him in a way. And at first, he was just like, well, "I've been I've been here for this long. Like I've already established possible retirement." Mm-hmm. Well, are you happy? no, I hate it. I hate going to work. I hate how I feel when I get home. I, you know, and I said, well, then is there anybody else you'd rather take a chance on than yourself? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go home and talk to my wife. And so he talked to his wife and he talked to his kids and obviously they came to the decision. He's going to start with us in, in a few weeks, or is already started with us, depending on when you're hearing this. And, uh, I'm excited because he took a chance on himself and we're so often we're not willing to do that. Right. I mean, well, you know, we had
1: a vision casting recently and in that session. So for us, uh, we do a monthly vision casting where Jason sits down with our team, our high level team, obviously not our 205 employees all at the same time, but our office staff, our managers, our supervisors. And so he, he uses that as an opportunity to just. Cast that vision of here's where we want to go in the company, here's what we expect from you, here's what we hope for you, and in there, you had made a statement that you know if you're miserable in your job, like why would you stay there? And I was like, why would you say that? like, what if our people are miserable? But then I was like, you know what? no, I don't want them here, yeah, no, they're no. miserable. if
0: you're miserable, it'll
1: you're doing us more harm than you are good, and it made me think of Caleb, who we we recruited in who hated he was in that same spot he absolutely. hated his job
0: it was a good paycheck it was a good provided
1: for his family but he was miserable and he came to us and arguably is working a whole lot more
0: probably <laughs> not arguably by, yeah. <laughs> hands down is working a whole lot more making less per hour potentially than he was at this job that he no not even close it's absolutely
1: making <laughs> less money per hour but he was so miserable on that job and here we went out to lunch with him and paid for lunch a couple of times in his first week. And he was like blown away. He said, I never once had my lunch paid for by my bosses at my old job. Like they never once came down to my office and just said, Hey, we're glad you're here. Or, Hey, we appreciate you. And so for him, even though (laughs) he's making less per hour,
0: he is so much more happy. Like he, he is like, "I, I love it. So I'm, I'm pausing for a moment. I, I do this sometimes. I, I just pick up my phone cause I get a notification, which is why it was important for me to turn it off on a recent trip. And a good friend of mine, I say good friend, I hardly ever see him, but someone that I appreciate, um, Mike Johnson, I think I introduced you. Him. He's, he's a big wig over at a, Distribution company for yeah, alcohol. Yeah, we saw him
1: delivering. He
0: was delivering beer right one <laughs> night. Even they're deliver They're they're dealing with shortages, and so he's a big wig over there. And he just delivers. He delivered some alcohol, and we saw him. And I saw him at a uh, a bottle engraving session a couple weeks ago down at the liquor store. And he just shared our old fashioned working whiskey, Pensacola, Florida. Uh, podcast. So I just wanted to awesome. thank Shout Mike out. Johnson for sharing that on Facebook. You can like, subscribe, and follow to us at Old Fashioned Working Whiskey on uh, Facebook. We have an email. If you want that, probably best to reach out to us on Facebook. But so the goal planning, and I didn't do that to, to sidetrack us, but that was, I, I appreciate when friends and acquaintances do that. That's That's important for us. And, you know, hopefully it's something somebody's found some knowledge along the way. Hopefully this helps you this. We don't do this for us, although we get just as much out of it. Um, We'd love to hear from
1: you guys. If there's some other method that you use, I mean, Jason, I've done a lot there. We could do a whole second podcast just on this topic, Uh, but we don't get a whole lot of you guys commenting and engaging us on Facebook. And we'd love to have more of that.
0: Yeah, I'd love to know, like, I mean, Mike, uh, reach out to me, text me, email What are your me. goals for
1: 2022?
0: Yeah, what are your, per- are your personal business? What, you know, and how did you establish those? I'd, there's so many methods. Julie Hershauer, she does not listen to this podcast, I guarantee it. But, you know, she was a, a great mentor to me, taught me the Hoshin method. Um, we used yep. it the first couple of years in our planning sessions to decide what was most important for us. And, you know, so for, there's just so many different methods, reach out to us, share your goals. We'd love to help hold you accountable. We'd love to uh, share our goals with you so you can hold us accountable. We'd love to know how you found out about um, whatever session you're using, you know, whether it's, there's scaling up, there's uh, rhythm, rhythm, there's EOS, Once again, there's so many different types out there. There's not a right or a wrong, as long as you're doing something. Plan those goals. Write them down. Look at them often. And if you have employees, please, please, please share your goals with them. They want to help you succeed. They do. I know you're worried about what they think, what they may. Oh, well, you're going to make all this money. They don't. They really want what's best for you, because when you're a good leader, when you're a great leader, they're going to be brought up because of that. Absolutely. So it's been a pleasure sharing this with you. We're excited to talk about goal planning in the future, and we hope that you got some value out of this. Once again, like, subscribe, follow. We look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks. So long from Old Fashioned Working Whiskey.